0: When we are looking at the preponderance of evidence, those are all anecdotal. Um, Dr. Reich says, I have patients that I've treated with this and they've gotten better. Um, You can have a hundred people that you treat with hydroxychloroquine and if they don't get exposed to COVID, they're not gonna get it. um, Whether they had the hydroxychloroquine or not. Um, So anecdotal evidence is very weak scientific evidence. For those willing to listen, learn, and have eyes to see and ears to hear, this is the nonpartisan evangelical podcast. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Challenging the mindset of right-wing Christianity and encouraging people to have their minds renewed and hearts transformed.
1: What knucklehead, mush-for-brains, evangelical leaders are trying to... To, uh, to overthrow Trump. It's a special kind of dumb And calling yourself a
0: Christian. Let's have better conversations about the life modeled in the Bible so we can truly tell the world God is not mad at you. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com.
1: All right, we're live with the Nonpartisan Evangelical. I'm Paul swearingen Glad you're with us um, on this Friday afternoon. Hope you're having an amazing day, an amazing week, and are heading to an amazing, healthy and safe, mask-wearing weekend. And I have a great guest with me today, Dr. Karen Hanson-Smith of Hanson-Smith Family Medicine, a... a family medical doctor. And Dr. Hanson Smith, really happy to have you with us today and talk about hydroxychloroquine and treatment for COVID-19. So thanks for joining me. And just tell me, is have you used HCQ for any of your patients? Have you been uh, working with patients with COVID? And, and what can you tell us about it just as a, as a background up front?
0: I've had a few patients that I think are likely to have had COVID. Um, I have not used hydroxychloroquine for any of them. Um, There are a number of people who are at risk because they have cardiovascular disease or uh, pulmonary disease uh, or some other sort of immunocompromised state. I am not using it uh, uh, preventatively. Um, It is not considered an adequate treatment or an acceptable treatment for COVID-19.
1: It's interesting that you say that because I have many friends that believe that it is. And I think the president of the United States continues to tell us that it is. And so talk about that process. How did you determine whether HCQ was a good use of of treatment for your patients?
0: Um, As a scientist, we go through a process of trying to figure out if something is true or not. And one of the problems that's going on right now is that the general public who isn't necessarily well-versed in scientific process is seeing how the sausage is made. So you start out with a hypothesis and you make uh, some determinations as to how you can test for that hypothesis. And then you come up with a way to test it. You come up with a result and you report that result. Um, one study reporting a result, um, is some as a starting point. So now you have to have other people who can go back and replicate that result. And if they can, now then scientifically you can say, okay, the consensus is that this is something true. If nobody else can replicate what that one study did, then you can say, yeah, that study probably wasn't true. And when you're looking at the kinds of studies that are being done, um, you can have studies where they, in 2005, took cell cultures and treated them with hydroxychloroquine and those cell cultures um, were less susceptible to SARS, um, which was like the first of the, this is like SARS-CoV-2, it was SARS-CoV. But when you then get to an organism that isn't just something in a dish, um, you might not be able to get the medication to the appropriate cells in an organism without adversely affecting that organism. Um, For example, the thought of using detergent to help fight uh, the virus in a human body, because you can use bleach on a surface And it will kill a virus. It will also kill the cells in your esophagus as you swallow it. And it will kill the cells in your bloodstream uh, (laughs) and your blood vessels. And that's bad. And that is bad. Um, So, while yes, radiation kills a lot of things, um, it probably would kill COVID, it will kill you too. So, we have to be very careful about what we decide to put in our bodies based on what evidence. And so if you've got a a cohort of studies of of double-blind randomized trials where people that are involved in the study uh, who are, are presenting the study don't know which people are getting which treatment, the people who are getting the treatments don't know which treatments they have, they are reporting here are what my symptoms are, all of that kind of goes into the calculations it's much, much harder for someone to say, Well, I know I was getting the medication and I'm getting better, so mm. say I'm just getting better. Um, or I know I was getting the placebo and so I know I didn't get any better. If you don't know which one you got, your report of what you got or what symptoms you have are likely to be more honest um, or less biased. You know, we have sort of underlying biases that we don't consciously have an awareness of, um, that will color our thinking. So if someone has a specific, uh, public figure that they have a lot of faith in and that public figure says here, this is what I do. And here, this is what I think is, is important or is healthful or helpful. Um, if you really look up to that public figure, you are going to say, oh, that's someone whose opinions I have trusted in the past. Chances are this opinion is good, too. Um, without knowing where that person got their information, it's harder to say anyone is going to be right 100% of the time. Right. If that makes sense.
1: Right. And, and so in my very unlearned Understanding of this, you 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 have to test out the placebo effect. That if you can give somebody a Tic Tac and they might get better if they believe they're they're getting something to get better. And so, and there's
0: anything wrong with that, right? Sure. Um, But you want to make sure that that the the treatment that you are giving is not going to irrevocably damage someone. I mean, the risks have to be outweighed by the benefits. when people are talking about hydroxychloroquine specifically, and even the people who have spoken about it, um, thinking that they have been seeing some benefit, the places that they have been using it have been in hospitalized patients on oxygen or on a ventilator. And the John Hopkins study that came out a few weeks ago they were not randomizing these patients. It was a it was a hail mary pass, and they said, "Well, nothing else that we've done is helpful. Let's try this." And they were also, though, giving them dex- dex- dexamethasone, which is a steroid medication. And for for the way that people's bodies seem to be reacting to this particular virus, is that the immune system in those whose bodies are having a much harder time with it didn't have an adequate um, response initially to the virus. And so there's then a subsequent overreaction by the immune system. So the immune system itself is now attacking the heart, is attacking the lungs, is attacking the kidneys, is attacking the liver. And so you add in a steroid medication that reduces the function of the immune system when you've gone into this thing called the cytokine storm. So you reduce that, the body's fighting against itself and people might get better. Um, So people were getting both of those medications, they might have been getting one or the other of those medications. And when they put out the the press release for that story, there were still a significant number of patients who were still hospitalized and still at risk of death um, who had not recovered yet. Um, and so their numbers were skewed a little bit, even saying, you know, maybe 26% of people who got the hydroxychloroquine and the dexamethasone got better were only 13% of those who didn't get it, didn't get better, you know, got better. Um, it, it's one study, and it was not double blind. It was not a controlled, randomized, controlled study. It was anecdotal, and it is the least uh, sort of the 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 least strength of evidence right. that you can get. um, Is well, my brother did this, and it worked for him, so yeah, it must be good.
1: We all have a cousin's brother's mom right. somewhere right. that did, did something, and. Uh, and, and I assume this probably happens with a lot of drugs that there's sort of an initial, hey, this may work. And then people start studying it. And you as a doctor, it is called practicing the art of medicine. And, and so you may try it, but then studies come out as it go, goes along and then you may adjust. Is, is that correct? Is that pretty normal with, with any drug for any condition?
0: Right, right. The vast majority of the medications that even come out just regular pharmaceuticals um, there, we are kind of lucky to have 18 to 24 months of testing in humans before it goes to market. Um, most of the longer term side effects that we see in medication sort of um, what they're called aftermarket come within about the first two to seven years. So if you are taking a medication that was just released within the last two to seven years, you are part of that ongoing research on what goes on with that medication, on how effective it is and what kind of side effects you're going to have. So um, always have a little bit of of awareness, probably, of, hey, here's a brand new medication. I'm going to try that one. (laughs)
1: And sometimes it works and sometimes...
0: Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. We ran into a big problem with... There was, oh, 20 years or so ago, uh, a combination of medications for weight loss called Redux. And it um, was on the market for a couple of years. And they found aftermarket that a lot of people were having heart problems with it. And they pulled it off the market. Um, Vioxx, probably 15 years ago, uh, as an anti-inflammatory medication, they presented it as a good anti-inflammatory medication that worked great for a lot of people. The vast majority of people took it, didn't have any problems with it, but they found out that there were some cardiac side effects with it. And the biggest problem was the pharmaceutical company knew that that Mm. was happening and they released it anyway. So there was a big to-do about that. Um, So when you are looking at um, any kind of any kind of a product, when someone has a vested interest in selling you that product, um, if they've if they're going to make money off of selling it to you, be very wary about what they're telling you. If you know, people look at a used car and say that used car salesman told me that this was a great car. I can't believe it turned out to be a lemon. Um, But for some reason, we think that everybody who has a a financial interest in something is, if it's medical or science, that they, they must know what they're talking about. And they must be being honest with me.
1: In your mind, is there a chance that some pharmaceutical company doesn't want HCQ to be used and they can pull off some way to stop this or the FDA has some political reason or otherwise to try to stop HCQ from being used in a way that would be profitable for the average patient?
0: Um, I, in, in all the realms of possibility, I can't say with absolute 100% certainty that there's no way in the world that that could possibly be happening. Right. But that's not the way that people make money. People make money selling a medication. People don't make money avoid so oh, if the if there were some big conspiracy out there saying this could save hundreds of thousands of lives but we're not going to use it because we have this backroom deal that we're going to be able to sell you something else or or something that that isn't the way that the world works. Um people make money by selling you something. Um, and if they're not selling you something they're selling you. Um and so the 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 worry about they're hoarding these medications to only give the important people um so that the that the regular person isn't gonna be able to survive this there there isn't enough of a system in place to make that happen
1: and is it true that i mean it would take? thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people to be in on this, right? To, for these tests and all of these, this is, this would have to be a humongous worldwide conspiracy that, and people keeping their mouths shut for forevermore.
0: And, and that's just not possible. And, you know, you look at how it it takes, if there are two people in on on a conspiracy, it's going to get out. Um, So if you've got a hundred people or, 10,000 people or 100,000 people in on a conspiracy, it's going to get out.
1: So I do want you to address this. uh, this, uh, Harvey Risch uh, wrote an op-ed. He's a Yale epidemiologist. And then, of course, we had this YouTube video with a group of doctors in their lab coats. Um, How do you deal with that? How do you see those things?
0: Um, When we are looking at the preponderance of evidence, those are all anecdotal. Um, Dr. Reich says, I have patients that I've treated with this and they've gotten better. Um, you can have 100 people that you treat with hydroxychloroquine and if they don't get exposed to COVID, they're not going to get it, um, whether they had the hydroxychloroquine or not. Um, so anecdotal evidence is very weak scientific evidence. And if he had, or if the other doctors standing on the steps of the Capitol had said, we have studied 10,000 patients, randomized double-blind controlled study with patients who we uh, know have been exposed or have been uh, positive and they've recovered. And we had this amount of people who've recovered. Um, the, The problem is they didn't have that. It's, it's, Here's my opinion. This is anecdotal evidence. It's not something that I am going to base my uh, my prescribing habits on. Um, I wouldn't take hydroxychloroquine to help prevent this. Um, would
1: you give it to a family member?
0: I would not, and I have not. Okay. Um, it's not... Um, for those people who have been getting it, they are hospitalized. They Their hearts are being constantly monitored so that if they have some kind of a side effect with it in their weakened state, there's a chance that somebody can do something about it. Um, it has not proven itself to be a preventative in any way, shape, or form. Um, and back in the early days of them talking about it, they were talking about even adding in azithromycin, which is an antibiotic, which works against bacteria. COVID is a virus, and no viruses are ever treated by antibiotics. Mm. Um, there is a thought, well, maybe it's an anti-inflammatory, and maybe there's some other. So they studied it, and they said no. Um, so. No. And unless there was a, a, a group of major studies, if the studies where they have been looking at hydroxychloroquine all chloroquine all came back, Hey, yeah, it seems to really be working then. Sure. But they didn't, Mm -hmm. they, they stopped the studies. They said, no, we can't say that this is helpful at all. Um, and my, my concern about, um, Giving someone a medication that could be harmful to them and is almost certainly not going to benefit them, that's bad medicine. And the even the California Medical Association the the that licenses me as a physician sent out emails to all licensed physicians in California saying, if you prescribe these medications inappropriately, we will have your license. Oh, I wow. mean, that was the subtext, but um, yeah, they, they said don't do it. Um, the the risks of inappropriate prescribing is not worth it to to any physician.
1: I'm assuming you wish that it was a miracle cure.
0: I wish there was something yeah. I really do because the the biggest problem is the uncertainty. Um, we don't know when this is going to be a, a minimal enough problem that we're not going to be having to walk around with these all the time. So the 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 thing is that. The coronaviruses, there are four different coronaviruses that cause the common cold. We have, as a species, seen them for years and years and years. And it used to be 200 years ago, people would go to bed with a cold and might die with it because their bodies hadn't seen some of the other COVID or coronaviruses that had been around. The three most recent ones that we found, MERS, SARS, and now SARS-CoV-2, um, they are ones that we as a human population have not seen before. So we go back to the, the native populations in the Americas getting exposed to smallpox. They didn't have any resistance to it. We don't have any resistance to COVID-19. So we just have to figure out how to vaccinate against it or how to prevent getting it in the first place. Um, If we don't have a cure for the common cold, we're not going to have a medical cure for COVID. Um, the thing is supportive. When, when you get a cold, um, you go home, you take something to help keep your fever down, um, something to help you breathe through your nose, and you rest and you drink lots of fluids, and you make sure you're eating enough calories so your body has the energy that it needs to fight the infection. And for the vast majority of people who are getting sick with even this COVID-19, they treat it that way and they come out fine. But for that 15% or so who get significantly sick with this um, and come out of it with their body altered in a way that now they're disabled because now they have no lung function or their heart is damaged or whatever, um, death isn't the only bad outcome with this medication, with this Mm -hmm. infection. So um, when you've got someone who has never seen anybody get that sick with this virus, it's easy for them to say, The virus doesn't exist. I've never seen it. Um, Do you, if you've never known anyone who's had cancer, you still realize cancer is a thing and that people die with cancer all the time. If you don't know anyone who ever died of a car accident, but we know people die from car accidents, but nobody in my family has. So it's not a big thing. I'm not going to wear my seatbelt. I'm not going to pay attention to, to street light laws um, because nobody that I know has ever died in a car accident um, or been disabled in a car accident. So it's, it's one of those things where we as a, as a human species have to just get through it. Our bodies have to figure out a way to fight it off. And until enough of the population, at least 70% of the population or 80%, I can't remember what the, what the herd immunity number is, but until enough of us are not going to pass it along to other people, um, we've just got to be careful to not be breathing in each other's faces. Um, and that's a, hard, that's a hard thing because it's not an easy and hard answer. By this date, everything is going to be fine. We just don't know.
1: So in the olden days, maybe there were moms that had the idea when one kid got the measles, you put every kid in the room and got them all the measles at the same time, and let's let's just get through it. Is there some argument to like, hey, we're all going to have to be exposed to this at some point, let's, let's get out there and be exposed?
0: Well, um, if it were chickenpox, which is relatively benign when you are a child, Um, that the risk of dying from chickenpox as an, as a, as a young person is very, very low. Um, having a chickenpox party, sure, go ahead. Um, measles, a little tougher because there are many people who have a much stronger reaction to measles. Um, as an adult, if I were, if I weren't resistant to chickenpox, I would not go to a chickenpox party because as an adult, my body would react much more strongly to it. Um, Long answer, long way around to say, I'm not going to any COVID parties. Um, the, 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 it's, it's multifactorial answer. Yeah. So um, when you've got a lot of people who are exposed at once, if you've got 10 ICU beds and you can take care of 10 people who have COVID, say 15% of the people who get it have to be in the hospital if and i don't want to have to do all the math but if you've got 15 people who now need that those 10 hospital beds which five are you going to turn away so the whole thing about like flattening the curve was the big thing back in march and april right. to make it so that as people are getting it we can take care of them we don't have to turn people away in this reopening of the society, um, we have seen instead of things kind of going down like they have in the rest of the world, it kind of went like this and now it's back up again. And so now we are having ICUs again where they don't have enough beds to take care of everybody and people are going to die or people are dying because they can't be effectively treated. Um, and so, um, if I get exposed by going to the grocery store, um, that's one thing, but it isn't going to be 50 of us exposed all at once by one person at the grocery store. It's going to be one person exposed by that one person at the grocery store, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and so if that then needs one bed in the hospital as opposed to 15 beds in the hospital, I'm going to be more likely to survive. So, or my mother is going to be more likely to survive, or my daughters, or my husband, or my friends, or my patients are going to be more likely to survive. The fewer people who have it at any one time.
1: I appreciate that answer. I, I, I know I'm asking you to speculate on some things there as a physician, but what I hear you saying is we're just going to have to continue to be cautious for the foreseeable yep. future. Right. And I, I
0: know that that's not the answer that most people want to hear. Right. There isn't a miraculous fix to this. Um, it's the long, slow slog.
1: And, and I think you said something very interesting at the start. We're, we're seeing the Sausage Factory. We're seeing how medicine is done live in real time on nationwide TV on an ongoing basis. And, and we're all used to 20-minute TV shows where everything gets concluded. So maybe that's yeah, part of our it's problem.
0: Up at the end, yeah.
1: <laughs> all right, Dr. Karen Hanson-Smith, is there anything else you need to tell us about COVID-19 in, uh, in these days?
0: Wear your mask, wash your hands, don't touch your face holes, you'll be okay.
1: We'll make it through. All right. Hey, I really appreciate you coming on and just helping us kind of dissect this conspiracy theory a little bit and, and start to, to think about how drugs are do come around. And so hopefully this has been helpful to some people. I'm sure there are some that are just going to believe the conspiracy no matter what. But for some of us, hopefully this gives us some insight from somebody with your expertise to help. So thank you very much.
0: My pleasure. Thank you, Paul.